I like to do the process of naming the challenges, owning the challenges, feeling the emotions that come up from the challenges, the grief, the frustration, noticing what I learned from that. And then I find it's just kind of more fertile soil for really thinking about gratitude in a, in a way that's, that's more meaningful. Hi, this is Jen Barna. Welcome to the Doc Working Podcast. At Doc Working, our specialty is coaching physicians to achieve the best of life and medicine. This episode was recorded just before the beginning of 2021, but the concepts shared by Coach Jill Farmer are valuable at any time. So I'm sharing with you now this episode in hopes that you'll find them as useful as I did. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Doc Working Podcast. This is Jen Barna and I'm here with Jill Farmer and I'm feeling more motivated than ever to try to pull what I can learn from the year and and I'm so curious about your experience, Jill, and what thoughts you have on that. Well, yeah, it was, uh, let's just say a year to remember. And, and the thing that's very interesting about it is we have this um, there's this kind of interesting experience or a paradox, if you will, because we have the shared experience of 2020 having a lot of intensity for all of us uniformly across, you know, pretty much anybody in the world um, experienced some degree of intensity this year because um, disruption sparks intensity in our own emotional reactions collectively as we are together. And we all experienced massive disruption, no matter what was happening in your life. There was disruption for anybody that had kids in school, workplace disruption, travel disruption, family togetherness disruption, um, the disruption of death that, you know, was the, the pinnacle, the most serious of this um, challenges that people faced. And so we have that shared experience of kind of the intensity, but we all have very unique experiences that weren't shared individually as the way that that disruption impacted or didn't impact us. And so we have, you know, the, oh my gosh, 2020 was this, you know, crazy shared experience, but also the way that impacted me may be very different than the way it impacted you individually or in your family or in your particular community. And so that can feel a little bit isolating and a little bit disconcerting to us as well. Cause we're like, what do you mean? It was no big deal. Or what do you mean? It was a big deal. You know, we all had these shared reactions. And so it can be challenging to know sort of what to do with it. Part of us wants to just like, forget it ever happened, close the door on that, you know, throw it into the dumpster and light it on fire. Other people want to focus on it completely and say, no, we have to learn from this. And what did we do wrong? And who do we blame? And how do we, you know, figure this out so we don't experience it again? And I think an interesting way for us to take what happened this year and integrate it into something that feels like we get to grow and move forward. And, you know, it's part of us. It's part of what happened to us in a way that, that feels like there's some some value in it just takes a little bit of willingness to slow down and be a little bit introspective and to be willing to digest or metabolize it, if you will, in a way that can potentially serve us. I think one of the things that I've been sharing a lot when I've been 
talking and doing work at corporations and organizations this year about how to stay steady in uncertain times, which is something that we were challenged all to do in 2020, is to notice that a lot of us had this mantra subconsciously going in our heads. I just wanted to go back to normal. I just wanted to go back to normal. I just wanted to go back to normal. And I think an opportunity for growth as humans in this time is to, instead of just to default to have that record playing, I want to go back to normal. It's like, what part of normal do we want to return to? And do we really just want things to go back to the way they were before? Because that's not going to happen, first of all. And secondly, it's not always really the best thing. But are there parts of our life that we would like to make sure that we cultivate and curate and be intentional about returning to? And are there parts that we can say, oh, this disruption Mm -hmm. showed me that even though I've always done it that way, it's not the only way or it's not the best way or I have these new skills? Hmm, That's a really good point because I, I definitely... Although I certainly am guilty of feeling like uh, I can't wait for it to go back to normal. I definitely have noticed some silver lining and um, some things that I don't, that I won't, I don't expect to go back the way they were. I expect to make changes. And so I'm curious if you have had a similar experience and if you have ideas about just how to, how to best process and head into the new year in a way that we'll, we will be able to benefit from what we take away from 2020. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm, I feel like there's the potential to do that on a grander scale than usual. Yeah, I think so too. I do. I think, you know, there's, I think it's, it can be good again, to just notice that we have these sometimes human tendencies to want to, you know, either blame and forget or just or hyper focus on stuff that's actually out of our control, right? And instead, to I think it's it's if we can kind of reframe our our, our it doesn't have to be. I only have I only want to find the silver linings and only want to think about the good stuff, and I don't want to remember any of the negative stuff. It's not that at all. It's just can we reflect on the challenges and on things that on the surface didn't look so great, but that there was actually some interesting stuff to learn from in that process and use that. That's what I'm talking about. I think to, to integrate into um, cultivating some things that we know are, are part of the value system that, that people who are successful and tend to be pretty balanced and happy have like resilience (laughs) and resiliency and um, fortitude and the ability to have a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset in challenging situations. And so, uh, you know, I, I think there's a, there's some very simple processes that we can use. So do you want to talk about those uh, a little bit? Sure. Yeah. I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. I think it can be a really helpful exercise to set aside some time. If you, if you have an hour or two, great. If you can just kind of, you know, take off to the woods for a minute for yourself, even if you just have a half hour or something like that, I think it can be really helpful to just take a notebook an empty, an empty notebook, some blank pieces of paper, a journal, Mm -hmm. if you have it and ask yourself just the following questions. A place that I like to start is is what, what was challenging this year? That's the place my brain goes first. <laughs> and so I give myself kind of permission to let stuff flow. Right. Need I more tend, than a couple of hours for to answer that one. <laughs> well, and I like, I'd like to look at my calendar because sometimes I think, you know, I have these thoughts, but it's like, oh, I walked too. And it's like, oh yeah, 
here's what was happening. Here's what got interrupted. Here's what, so here's what I found challenging. And it's like, this is not an answer for anybody else. It's not a, oh, here's what other people would have found challenging about my life situation. But it's like, no, here's what I personally found challenging. And you name it, right? We're not dwelling in it. We're not like, this is, this, we're not defining ourselves by it, but we're just being honest to acknowledge that there was challenge and to look at what those challenges are. The next thing that I think is really helpful is to notice out of those challenges, what you learned, if anything. So sometimes I'll write my challenges on the left side of the paper, and then I just draw a line because I'll like, oh, yeah, I didn't learn from every challenge, but on this challenge, I actually learned this. And from Mm -hmm. this challenge, I learned this. And so it helps our brain sort of see that a lot of times these things are not happening in a vacuum, <laughs> that the, the challenge is, is helping to catalyze some form of new awareness or understanding or a skill set that we gained. And so it's not being Pollyanna and pretending that it was easy or that there wasn't hard, but it's noticing that often moving through a challenge does give us something interesting to learn, to work with, to grow from. So I like the challenge exercise and what you learn. Does that mean you have to have a line from every challenge with a nice tie a bow on it? And I learned this. No, it it can be much more organic, (laughs) non-linear than that. It can be a big challenge with the tiniest little thing that you learn from it. And that's just fine. So that's a process that I like to do almost every year. And I think it's particularly helpful. I've started it myself for myself this year that I think it's, it's really helpful. Then the next step I like to take is looking at what you've learned and looking at what that experience you have, what can you give yourself a list of at least 10 things that you're actually grateful for in this moment? based on the experience. I don't like to jump in first thing with what are you grateful for? Because I think our brain kind of does some like bypassing of what really has happened here. So I like to do the process of naming the challenges, owning the challenges, feeling the emotions that come up from the challenges, the grief, the frustration, noticing what I learned from that. And then I find it's just kind of more fertile soil for really thinking about gratitude in a, in a way that's, that's more meaningful. And if you can't get to 10 things, I don't care, put three. (laughs) Oh yeah. I'm taking notes here. I'm definitely going to go through the steps of of this exercise because I think it's a very valuable way to approach just the, the, you know, it's a little bit overwhelming really to kind of think, think back and, and try to pick, you know, what to take from the year or how, just how to process everything. And I think I'm curious too, like, for people that come to you, for physician clients and other healthcare workers who come to you, or really it could be any type of job, but uh, for physicians specifically who may feel that in looking back in terms of what they've learned from certain challenges, what do you do when someone comes and says, well, I see you know, these challenges, but I, I don't see where I could have had an, a choice or I could have, you know, it was something that was just put in front of me and I had to deal with it, but I couldn't have changed it. What is your approach to sort of helping someone through that challenge? Well, I, you know, I think I can't in a non-specific form, but say for instance, I'll just make up a scenario that's based on somebody comes to me and says, yeah, I learned that, you know, the system was set up to, to not deal with what 
the sickest patients really needed in this, and that it created a level of that required superhuman overworking among a staff that isn't available. And so I learned that. And so, you know, all I'm learning is that I can't control it and, you know, and I feel frustrated. So the interesting thing to play with that, right, is I had this challenge of, I, you know, watched people, not myself and my colleagues continuing, and I continue to watch them potentially exhibit superhuman stamina and strength. And what I've learned is that I want to be part of a solution systematically that helps to to think about ways that we can make this happen so that it doesn't have to only be fueled by superhuman strength and, um, and overwork. So it's not a Pollyanna and it's not a perfect black and white, you know, this thing happened and here's a silver lining. It's a more nuanced process than that. I learned I have more internal strength and I've learned that I have to, for myself, build some rest and breaks into this process because it's not going to be handed to me as a gold star mm-hmm. in thanks for what I've done. So there's a million things I can't you know, name for every person, but yeah. that's what they might learn. But the, the process is meant to be nuanced, a little messy, a little, but to have a little bit of a structure for us to begin to think, as you said, so that it's not so overwhelming, but to have a little bit of a structure, a system to think through what we did, (laughs) how we were challenged by what happened or what we experienced in our life, what we learned, if anything, or how we grew or what we bring out of it. And then if it leaves us feeling grateful for anything else. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I think that's where you begin to set intentions. I'm much more interested, a lot of times, especially people who are coming from stressful situations, the pattern is then to take that stress and to create a bunch of extrinsic goals for themselves that are often very numbers driven or very, again, extrinsic outside markers, because that's going to bring them, they think, okay, if I can just make this amount of money or do this, these many minutes of exercise or this, whatever, then I'm going to feel in control and safe again. Cause I feel so out of control based on, mm-hmm. you know, what's mm-hmm. happened. And I'm much more interested in looking at whatever they had to show us, to teach us, to help us grow through the challenges and setting intentions, which tend to be more intrinsically based. Who do I want to be and how do I want to feel? Mm-hmm. And what can I do in my life to make more space for, you know, who do I want to be? How do I want to feel? Um, we know based on research, uh, a massive research study on goals that was done in the last, sometime in the last 15 years, I believe, that in, for instance, military um, academy graduates that had more intrinsic goals, like I want to be a good leader, I want to be a healthy person, I want to have a family, ended up objectively more successful, higher rank, higher salary, more than people that just said, I want to make X number of dollars. I want to weigh this number. (laughs) So having those more intrinsic based intentions, who do I want to be? How do I want to feel? Just tends to be um, a more meaningful place that people report deeper satisfaction. We know that's true. We hear the stories about the people that are like, I just wanted to make my first, you know, million. And then I thought it would be the billion. And then I would feel great. And they get there and they're like, ah, no, it still stinks. So we know on one level that those purely extrinsic Mm -hmm. goals or carrots 
don't actually often give us what we think that they're going to give us, but Mm -hmm. we still tend to get pretty enticed by, no, I'm just going to go make a new list this year of Mm -hmm. harder goals that are even more impossible. And even though I'm more exhausted than ever because of all the disruptions and everything I did last year, (laughs) which means we kind of set ourselves up for failure and exhaustion and burnout. So, yeah, I think that's a really beautifully said, I mean, that makes, that makes so, so much sense, really not even just for us even if you're looking at it from the perspective of advising a young person who is thinking about what they want to do in their career or who's maybe going into medicine and thinking about what they want to do within the field of medicine, either way, I think approaching your goals, uh, thinking of your goals as intrinsic goals, I think will keep you on the path of why you chose to do something like medicine. Mm-hmm. To begin with, if you're choosing, you know, similar to really any type of life where you're trying to, your in, original intention is to serve. And that can be any type of career because there's always an opportunity to serve. I think that is an intention for a lot of physicians. And then I think because of all of the craziness and like you say, you know, very specific goals that sometimes people set, they can lose track of that a little bit. And if, if you have that and you're actively working on it at all times, then uh, you can sort of keep your eye on a prize that is more fulfilling mm-hmm. ultimately than any kind well, of Well, and, and things like, thing. you know, I'm all for making money and for having a living and I'm not asking anybody to take a, a vow of poverty and setting intentions. I just find it becomes a byproduct often when we're right. doing something that has a strong intrinsic value that when we're, we're more flexible with, oh yeah, okay, well, you know, I had this huge disruption in my practice or business. And so the, the numbers aren't exactly where I thought they would be. And this other thing that really matters to me, I had a chance to practice a lot. And so then I'm going to help be creative to think about how we, we make those other things work out. And it's, uh, you know, it's a new muscle to exercise for a lot of us because we're used to just like, let's set the resolutions, let's set those external goals. And then let's always kind of set ourselves up for thinking that we're not nearly enough or uh, inadequate or worthy <laughs> because we live or die by those. And so learning to to, to challenge ourselves, to get uncomfortable with the sometimes slightly more nebulous or nuanced intrinsic goals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it can be slightly uncomfortable because it's just not as clear cut. It doesn't feel like it's quite as in our control. It's just a richer way to live. And a lot of times it helps us to play bigger, to, to get more in the, our dreams space, as opposed to what's safe, what we know we can check off the list. And I just think in this one life we have to live, why not? stretch ourselves, take what was hard, learn from some of those experiences, weave that into being willing to be here as fully and live as as meaningful and rich and big a life as we can while we're here. Beautifully said. I can't add anything. That's perfect. And thank you so much for all of your insight and we will carry that with us. We'll talk again soon. And thank you for listening. This is Amanda Taran. I'm the producer of the Doc Working Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like and subscribe. We would also love it if you checked out our website, which is docworking.com. And you can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Our Instagram is docworking1, and that is with the number one. When you check us out on social, please let us know what you would like to hear on the podcast. Your feedback really means a lot to us. 
And if you're a physician with a story to tell, please reach out to Jen at jen at docworking.com. Thank you again, and we'll see you next time.